Good morning. Let's all get all the mothers and mothers-to-be to stand up. We really want to recognize you. Come on. Come on. Don't hesitate. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. Woo! Thank you for all the changing of the diapers and the kissing the boo-boos. And I saw a Facebook post all week about moms and how awesome they are and how great. And Pastor Farrell told my, told my jokes. I'm kind of mad. I was going to use the one about, it, you know, you, we wouldn't really be here if it wasn't for y'all. So um, I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to find his sermon next week and steal one of his. Um, I'm Jared Grantham. I'm the youth pastor here at Whitley Church and the Bridge, and it's just a privilege and a pleasure to be here in this series that we've been doing called Live Free. And uh, I'm really used to speaking to high school and middle school students. So if y'all could do me a favor, it'd make me feel a lot more comfortable. Like if you'll take your cell phones out about every five minutes and send a text (laughs) and just zone out. And some of you, if you just take your Bibles and like put them on your heads like this right here. It would make me feel really comfortable. Or get up and go to the bathroom about five times during my message. Um, I would feel like I'm back in the carpenter's house. I I love teaching the youth because you ask questions in your sermon that you really don't want answers to, but they give them to you anyway and yell them out. It'll be like the most crucial point in the message. You're like, and Jesus died on the cross and forgave us of our sins. And you're like... Thank you. I was going to like slow it down there, but I guess I'll have not to. But anyway, so we're in this series called Live Free, and we're going to be talking about living free from guilt, from bondage, from shame and oppression. We're going to be talking about living free through forgiveness. And I love that mind that Isaiah did because it ties in so well with what we're going to be talking about. Forgiveness is one of those things that I really don't think we can truly, fully understand. It's one of those things that it just rolls off the tongue, the word. We can say forgiveness. Let's say it together. Right? We say forgiveness, forgive. There's country songs and all kinds of songs about forgiveness. And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 I forgive you. And, and it just it, it comes so naturally and easy to us. But I don't really think we fully understand what forgiveness means and what it is when God talks about and when Jesus speaks about forgiveness in the Scripture. The fact is every single person in here has had to forgive someone, some person in their entire life. Every one of you has probably had to be forgiven by someone that you have hurt as well because we've hurt people with our actions, with our words. Maybe we didn't meet people's expectations. And the same thing happens for people that hurt us their actions and their words speak so loud and clearly that it penetrates so deep into our hearts and our core that sometimes we become so focused on it that it's really tough, it's really hard to forgive. The truth is every one of you could stand up here this morning where I'm standing and you could tell a story. I guarantee you if we started on this front row and just kind of did this domino effect, every one of you could come up here and tell about a time that you had to forgive someone who hurt you. We may be here till Jesus comes, but you know, you could do it because the truth is every person in here has been hurt and you are faced with the choice of either to forgive or not to forgive. And some of you have allowed that choice and that forgiveness to come into your heart and you've released a lot of that hurt, but I believe that there's many of us here that still hold on to a lot of the things that happened in our past and years ago. 
See, our human, our carnal nature is to, to seek and take revenge. Right, you know, you, you hear the words of Jesus when he talks about, you know, if, if someone hits you in the face and the cheek, turn around and let them slap you in the other one. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever been just like hit in the face and be like, just go ahead and make it even and get that one right there on this side? No, because why? Our, our carnal, our human nature is to, to, we were born this way. It's, it's to seek revenge. I remember as a freshman in college, now I was young, eight hours away, no parents there, you know, just kind of hang out late at night, go to the Waffle House, steak and shake, caffeine pills. No, don't, that testing, it's a bad idea. But anyway, I was a freshman in college, staying up, studying, having fun, you know, and it was good, clean, does that even make sense? It was good, clean, Christian fun. We went to a Christian university, but we were always doing pranks on the people on our hall and other dorms. We had this thing called dorm wars. And there was three boys' resident halls at the place on the campus that we stayed at. And we got to sit in the nice, pretty dorm, the sports dorm. This is where all the people who were on scholarship got to stay. And then the other two dorms were really made fun of because they stunk. They'd been there for like 40, 50 years. There's, you know, rats and just community showers. We had all like the pretty showers, the nice showers in our rooms and stuff like that. And so the guys from the other dorm would sneak over late at night and they would, you know, do pranks like tie ropes down all our doors so we couldn't get out, you know, and put Vaseline and shaving cream on the doorknobs and, you know, all kinds of things. Well, this one, the, the, the worst dorm at the university was called Medlin Hall. And some of the guys came over one night, they went to the fish market and got some raw fish and decided that they were going to take this raw fish and they were going to put it in all the couches in the community areas and in the pillows and smear it on the walls and in the carpet. And, you know, it was like August, September. We had just got in school, hot, humid. Let's just say that literally you could not walk down the hall without holding your nose because it stunk so bad. So what did we do? We prayed for them. No, we didn't pray for them. <laughs> It was retaliation time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was like, all right, you know, time to change things up. And so we went over there and did the same thing. We took milk jugs and poured pickle juice and tuna juice in them and let them ferment and stink and ran down the hall and poured them all down the hall. Now, if there's anybody hearing this message online, I'm just, this is just a sermon illustration that really didn't happen. And so we took ceiling tiles out and put them in the ceiling tiles beside the AC unit and covered them back up because, you know, it's about what? Getting revenge. It was about getting even and, you know, it was all in fun. It was fun for us. But, but you know, that's the way we are. It's like something happens to us. Someone offends us. Someone hurts us. And what do we do? It's like these emotions begin to take over and we want to get back. We want to get even. But that's the opposite of what Jesus tells us to do. There's a, there's a surf company called Counterculture. And if you know what culture is and where culture's going, basically their motto is we're not doing exactly and necessarily what culture is doing. We're actually going maybe even opposite directions to what is true and what we believe is right. And that's what Jesus was about. If you look at the definition, it's a culture with values and morals that run counter to those that are established in society. And the more and more I read about forgiveness, the more and more I realize how much I need God in my life. Because when I read the words that we're gonna look at this morning, I can't help but to tell you that I don't even have close 
having it figured out or having it together. And I'm going to be honest, this may be one of the hardest things that you ever have to do in your life. And this morning may be significant for many of you. This may be one of the hardest choices that you are faced with. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. And Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he's talking about prayer. And at the end of this section, in verse 14 and 15, we find something significant that Jesus says. He says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let me read that again. Your Father will not forgive your sins. And that's easy to say, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgive you. Oh, yeah, sure, man, no problem. Or, or you may even say it a little bit more, less you know, hesitation than that, but you say, I, I, I forgive you. But a lot of times I think we say it and maybe really don't mean it. But what happens when you're really, truly, I mean, hurt? What happens when you are so hurt, when you are so offended? Is it really easy to forgive? Like maybe you were felt to feel worthless your entire life. You grew up, you felt like you were nothing. You were never told that you were loved growing up. You, you could be physically abused, emotionally abused, sexually abused, cheated on by your spouse or someone that you loved. Maybe alcohol and drugs were more important than you were growing up. Rumors and lies were spread about you. It's not so easy to stand and go, Romans 8, 28, God, you created all, of, all things to work together for the good that those love. Yes, God, I claim that, I speak that. It's not so easy to stand there and believe that those things, yes, I understand why I'm going through this. Lord, yeah, I forgive them, no problem. It ain't really that big deal. It's not so easy to do that. And all of these things that happen to us in our lives cause unforgiveness to develop and take control of our heart. And a lot of times the people who have hurt us and offended us end up controlling us more than we realize. Our joy is taken, our thoughts are consumed by the offense, and living free really doesn't seem like an option anymore. And forgiveness seems a lot harder than we thought. Now I'm a very, very visual person. Growing up when I would read stories in elementary school, I had to put myself inside the story. Like if the guy's name was Johnny, when I read the story, it was Jared because I couldn't really get it. You know, they used to give you those tests like if person A and person B and person C, I had to plug people in there because they didn't make sense to me what a person A was. So, I, you know, my friend Jared and Ty and I'd go through and list out these things because I'm a very visual person. So when I read Bible stories, when I read scripture, I have to put myself in in there to take on this whole new perspective of what it really means. It takes on a whole new light when we insert ourselves into the passage and ask ourselves, you know, what it must have been like, what it would have been like if I were there, if I would have seen that. So I just want to kind of walk us through some of the things that we've heard and we've seen, we've seen movies about them, but maybe we really hadn't fully understand all that was entailed in this passage of scripture that we're going to look at about Jesus after he is turned over from Pilate into the Roman's hands 
and to the guards and a series of events begins to take place. Jesus is handed over and from that point on, he is made a mockery. They, they make fun of him, they ridicule him, they persecute him. Now I just want you to envision with me, I mean you've seen these things, maybe you've seen the Passion of the Christ and you've seen the Easter drama. But imagine this with me for a second. Here's Jesus who was led, bound up. At any time he could have broken free if he would have called upon his father. But he knew the purpose he had to fulfill. And so he's in the hands of these huge, I mean, these guys were meant for this job. It's like when you have a job, you know, qualifications, these guys were big and mean and bulk. And, you know, you've seen some of the guards in our play. And I can imagine that's what it's like. And so here's Jesus. He's handed over to these guys. And, you know, they're, they're weaving this crown of thorns. And I can imagine Jesus as he's there and he's at the whipping post and he's kneeled down and he's tied up and you've seen it. His hands are outstretched and it, with any moment, that cat of nine tails from the guy who is standing here is coming and he doesn't know. The anticipation is just building and Jesus is there and he's just, I can, you know, he's fully human. He's fully God and it's like, I know that it's coming. I know that it's about to happen. And all of a sudden he whips him and when he does, he pulls it and it rips the flesh off of his back. And I, and I can't even imagine what that must have felt like, but it's not like one time it didn't end there. It continued on over and over and the pain began. And I can't even imagine to know the feelings that Jesus must have had to just this one guy who was there and he's hitting him with this cat of nine tails, just whipping him. And they're laughing at him and they're, you know, cursing at him and he stands up and they take him away and they blindfold him. They put this blindfold on him and these guys with fists, like three times the size of my fist are there and the anticipation builds and Jesus is sitting there not knowing exactly when he's gonna get hit. And all of a sudden it just comes. I don't know the hardest that you've ever been hit. Maybe you've never been in a fight. Maybe you've just, you know, been punched, you know, joking around. You and your friend wrestled. You got hit in the, the face and the cheek and the head or whatever. It doesn't feel good. This morning I was laying in bed. My first alarm went off and I hit the snooze button and I happened to be laying down holding my phone like this on my head, above my head, and I fell asleep and my phone fell out of my hand and caught me right in the lip on the corner. And I woke up and I was like, Whoa, you know, I mean, it wasn't even far, but I, I kind of was like mad. God was like, that's a sermon illustration. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, you know, it didn't even feel good to get hit from this far with a droid, just boom, you know, like, oh. But I don't know the hardest that you've ever been hit, but I can just imagine Jesus there, people that hate him, that are making fun of him, that are persecuting, they're mocking him, and he just, they're hitting him as hard as they can. It's a game, it's a joke. Can you imagine the feelings that he must have had towards these people? If it were you, if it were me. And so as he's there, they lead him away. They put the crown of thorns on his head and beat it down over his brow. And he's forced to carry his cross up to the rock of Golgotha, to Calvary. And he's carrying that, you know, and he's weak in his muscles and his ligaments and all these things are hanging out. And he's doing everything that he possibly can. And as he walks up to that, they're just laughing at him. They're spitting at him. Have you ever been spit on? Anybody ever spit on you? 
It's like one of the most offending things that anybody could possibly do. And I've been spit on before by somebody joking around and I just, I just got mad. And so he's there and then they take him and they nail his hands and his feet to this cross and he's just in utter pain of what these people are doing to him. And so as they pull him up, it's a joke. Come on, king of the Jews. Why don't you, you know, call yourself down if you're the king, why don't you? And they just begin to mock him and we see Jesus there in the complete hands of those who have hurt him at their disposal and he's there. And then we see these words that every time I see them just shake me to the core. As he looked out and he saw all those people, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them. Because I can't say that if it were Jared there, I would be saying, Lord, forgive them. It may be like, God, come kill them. Come take them, wipe them away, send your angels. But, but here's the thing. Jesus looked into all those who hurt him, offended him, ridiculed him, mocked him, persecuted him, even physically abused him. And he saw their need for a savior. He saw their need for redemption. He looked into their hearts and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. A lot of times in our lives when people hurt us, they offend us and persecute us, they don't really understand what they're doing to us on the inside. They don't understand the pain that it's causing. And Jesus prayed for them and he forgave his accusers he, he was saying, God, even though they're inflicting pain upon me right now, God, forgive them. Those that are causing pain in my life, Lord, forgive them. Those who have control over me right now, Lord, forgive them. Those who don't know what they're doing to me on the inside, God, forgive them. God, I know that through all this, I'm gonna be free and right now I'm bound up, but God, I still ask that your amazing love, your, your love would just overflow my aching heart, God, and forgive them. Let me ask you the question, how does this transfer over into your world and into my world? Who or what thing or what person has you in bondage that has caused unforgiveness in your heart, in your life? Who is causing you not to live free in the way that God wanted you to live free? Maybe it was your dad left you, never loved you. Anger and bitterness has taken over in your heart Maybe you were abused or abandoned by your mom or your family members. Broken vows and promises were made to you and they were never fulfilled. You were never able to meet the expectations of those that you needed it from the most. God is saying, forgive them and live free this morning. Maybe it was a church leader who failed morally. Maybe it was a spiritual leader, someone that you looked up to Maybe someone you love was killed in an accident and it caused bitterness or even unforgiveness to the person that caused the accident, the person who abused you physically, the person who abused you sexually. Maybe your parents were divorced. Maybe your siblings you felt were loved so much more than you were. Maybe some guy or girl took a piece of you and now they just treat you like garbage. Maybe you blame God for someone who died and you just need to ask for forgiveness 
The sad thing about it is the people who hurt us and offend us the most really don't even know. And a lot of times they don't even care, which makes it even harder. When we look at them and there's just like this unrepentant heart that they don't even care what they've done to us on the inside, it makes it even worse. And here's, here's the thing. And, you know, we can come to Whitley Church and we can come to the bridge and we can act like we got it all together and we can go, good morning. It's so great to see you, brother so-and-so. I am blessed. How are you this morning? You look so good. I'm loving that suit. Your kids are growing up. They look good. We can stand up here and we can be greeters and go, welcome to Whitley Church. It's glad you're here. Is this your first time? And we can take up the offering. We can stand back there at the Connect Center and we can shake hands with the new people. We can pass out believers packets. We can post scripture on Facebook all day long. We can recite scripture. We can put a Jesus fish on our car, a bridge sticker on the back, a Whitley Church sticker on the back and smile and go, God loves you. But if we can't forgive the people who have offended us, then God says, I will not forgive you. See, here's the deal. The forgiven forgive. The forgiven, the people who have been forgiven, forgive because they understand what it means. And if you have been forgiven, then you must forgive. You must do that to live free this morning. To know joy, you must forgive. Now, let's be honest. It doesn't seem fair to forgive someone who hasn't hurt you just once, but over and over and over again. And when these thoughts creep in, And when we have these thoughts, here's what we have to say to ourselves is this. How many times have we stood before God, maybe late at night as we've bowed our knees down on the side of the bed or before we got out of bed and just prayed these prayers to God, oh Lord, here I am again. Lord, I'm sorry, I promised I wouldn't do this and I I made a promise to you and a vow to you, God, I confess my sin and I said I wouldn't and we just, this routine in our life. How many times have we hurt and offended God over and over and over? And how many promises have we made to God that we've broken over and over again? But yet his grace and his mercy and his love and his forgiveness run so deep that when we are truly repentant and truly sorry and ask for forgiveness, his word says that he will forgive us. Here's all I know. is God doesn't put a cap on forgiveness, All I know is that Jesus died on a cross and if he can pray for those who physically, emotionally abused him, those who whipped him and tortured him and murdered him, if he can pray for forgiveness for them, then there's no way that God expects us to do something that we can't physically do also. And if you hadn't heard anything, I want you to hear this before you leave this morning. If we can't forgive others for the sins that they've committed against us, then what we're ultimately saying is our standards of forgiveness are greater than God's. If we look at all the people in our lives who have hurt us and we go, I can't forgive that person, then what we're saying is, God, my standards are here for forgiveness and yours are here because I know better. Jared Grantham knows better. He knows about forgiveness. If you look at Matthew 18, 21 through 35, Peter is talking with Jesus. 
And in verse 21, Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And you can do a study on that. And some people go, was he saying 490? Was he saying 77? Was he? The point of the matter is, Jesus goes, you know, you're trying to put a standard on forgiveness. There is no limit to forgiveness. Now you can be wise and allowing, you know, to trust people who have hurt you again. There's, there's such thing as wisdom. But if those ask you for forgiveness, then you must forgive. And Jesus says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents or bags of gold was brought to him. And so here's this king and it's, it's payday time. It's collection time. All these people who owed him all these things, it's you know, time to bring them in and, and, and payday. And so as he calls them in, it's impossible because there is this bond servant who is required to pay 10,000 talents. And Jesus is showing this illustration to talk about earning forgiveness. And when you look at this one talent in the Bible equaled about 200 pounds of gold. And so when you transfer that over 10,000 talents to what it would have been worth, it would be like this one guy owing eight and a half billion dollars to his king or his master. And in verse 25, it says, since he was not able to pay, the master had ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold into debt. I mean, could you imagine? Your whole family, everything you own, it's like it's pay up time, you can't pay it, collection, y'all bring it in, you're gonna be slaves, you're gonna you know, work for me, you're gonna pay this whole debt off. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and he said, be patient with me. And he begged, I believe there was sincerity in his heart I be, believe he was just being real and genuine. He said, I will pay everything back. And I believe if he could, he would have. And he was promising the moon and he couldn't deliver. And the servant's master took pity on him and he looked in his heart. He looked at him on his knees and he canceled the whole entire debt and let him go. Could you imagine eight and a half billion dollars? Just gone. And he's using this to show that our, our debt and our sin cannot be paid. Because let's, let's break it down for just a second. You know, in the Bible times, they used the currency, they called them denarii. And one denarii equaled about 62 cent of silver. And so when you look at that, the national average income for America in 2009 was about $49,777, or let's break it down a little bit more. It was like people were earning $136 a day. And if you take the wage then, 2,000 years ago, and you put it on a scale, and you measure it out, it ends up being about $1.5 trillion. $1.5 trillion, he must have lived in America, in debt. That was a joke. And if you calculate at how much he would make at 62 cent and how much he had to pay off, he would have to work every single day, 24 hours a day for 37,415,820 years. 
There's no possible way he could pay this debt back. And so he fell on his knees and his feet and he cried for mercy. And the king forgave him and he said, you, know, you owe me nothing. All has been forgiven. He didn't have a, a repayment plan. You know, he had, didn't have an economy stimulus package. It was just clean slate, total freedom. See, we can't understand or grasp the debt of even us paying back one sin. The Bible says that all of our righteous acts, think about this, everything that we do that is good and righteous is as filthy rags in the sight of God if we don't have his son and his salvation. And we can volunteer every single week at the soup kitchen and we can go on the Kentucky missions trip and we can give to the Salvation Army as we walk in the door at Walmart and we can do all these things. We can give to the poor and we can pray blessings. But if we do not have the Son, Jesus Christ, everything that we do that is good is in filthy rags in the sight of God. When you look at that scripture in Isaiah 64, 6, the word that's translated there literally means that it makes God's stomach turn. It makes him sick for us to go, here you go, God. Here's my righteousness. And God goes, you aren't righteous. You can't, earn, you can't have righteousness without Jesus Christ. So how can I repay my debt to God when the only righteousness that I can offer him is the very thing that repulses him? Forgiveness comes from God, not from me. And listen to what happens in verse 28. So the servant, after he's forgiven, he goes out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed, he grabbed the man and he began to choke him and he said, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him just like he had just begged his king, be patient with me and I will pay it back. I mean, it's the same promise that he had, pro that he had promised to the king. But he refused. Instead, he went off and the man had him thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants heard what had happened, they called the master in and he said this, you wicked servant, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Couldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Because I think a lot of time we, we walk around acting like the servant. Like we want forgiveness, God, yeah, I, I want your forgiveness, I want your blessings, I want your mercy, I want your grace, but I'm not gonna give it to those who need it from me. Lord, I, I, I'm here again, God, and I plead, I beg, I ask, and then there's people in our lives who hurt us that we just want to go, maybe another day. Forgiveness is not denying that, that the, the act happened. It's not denying that the person that hurt you or forgetting about it. It's making a conscious choice to allow Jesus' death on the cross to, review, to take away any hurt, any judgments and bitterness and hatred that you have in your hearts. So how do we release unforgiveness that we have? And the Bible says that praying a prayer is not enough. 
Not going, Lord, just, you know, forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. That's not enough. Romans 12, 14, when we read, when we read it, it says, bless those who persecute you. Never pay back evil with evil. Never take out revenge because God says that vengeance is mine. Instead, if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. And by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. See, it's not enough just to forgive them. You have to, if you want to truly forgive them, you have to pray blessings for those people. Now, I know you're like, wait a second. Some of you may be going, you don't understand what I've gone through. You don't know, understand the, the torture that these people have put me through. Romans 12, 14, we have to bless those who persecute. Now, I'm just going to give you um, a, a testimony here. Um, a couple of months ago, we did a message similar to this one in student ministry and, and did the same thing that we're about to do in a second. And I can't even tell you all of the stories, the testimonies that came in because of this, this act, this obedience that these students did, these prayers of blessings that they prayed for people. I mean, I, I began to get reports of, from, from people who said, my dad hasn't talked to me in two years. And they came down and prayed blessings upon th that relationship and said, if they never talk to me again, I, I, God, I pray that you'd bless them wherever they are. And they wrote it out and put it in this, this vase and they said, God, today I'm gonna start praying blessings. And do you know that that week they got a phone call? Can I tell you that, that a girl, another girl was telling me about her relationship and her family and how it was just destroyed. And I, I guess, you know, this is huge for daughters how she was never told that she was loved, that she was abandoned by every guy who'd ever been in her life. And she wrote down and she prayed these blessings and over and, and she called me back. She said, you aren't gonna believe it. My real dad contacted me, wanted to get together, wanted to eat. It's just, it's crazy. And another girl talking about this, these group of girls who just made fun of her because she was a Christian. They talked so bad about her. She said, I tried to witness to them and, and all they do is persecute me. All they do is make fun of me. And she just gave a list of all these things that happened. She came to church a week later with her friend who she had led to Christ in her school. And the girl goes to our student ministry and has been and hadn't missed a time. I'm telling you, when you bless those who persecute you, when you pray and ask for forgiveness for those, God does amazing things in your life because your heart has changed. So we're, for, we're faced with a choice to forgive or not. Now, here's just some indicators of how we know if there is any unforgiveness that we have and harbor in our hearts. Number one, if you have a strong emotional reaction to when that person gets hurt, there may be unforgiveness. Maybe you still try to avoid the person. You don't even want to be around them. You ignore their calls. You just pass the other way when they're coming your way. Maybe you still rehearse speeches that you've never delivered. You imagine ways of getting revenge or getting even. You rejoice when bad things happen to those people. When you hear that they're not doing good or a story and you rejoice in that, there may be unforgiveness there. You want them to feel what you felt. Or you get angry when you see that they're actually doing good. 
Some of you, maybe your greatest need is not to forgive, but to ask for forgiveness from people that you've hurt. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like that you're that person who has inflicted pain to the hearts of others. Maybe as we were reading some of those lists, a bell just went off and you felt like, man, maybe, maybe some people came to mind. Maybe you need, after we get done, to get on the phone, send an email, make a phone call, stop by somebody's house and go, listen, you know, God's been working on me and I know that I put you through a lot and I know I, I caused pain in your life, but I just ask that you would forgive me because I understand that I may be controlling you and you may have bitterness towards me and I want you to live free. So I want you to forgive me. The question we have to ask ourselves is this. Are our standards of forgiveness greater than God's? Every one of you has a card in your chair. And this may not be for for everyone, but I believe it is for some. I believe there are people here this morning that God wants you to be free. And God began to bring people to your mind of, you have some bitterness towards, some unforgiveness towards. And he wants you to know freedom this morning. So here's what I want us to do. We're just going to give you a minute. And and if, if there are people that God has brought into your mind, if there are people that have hurt you, caused pain in your life, and you want to be free from that bondage, and I want you to write their names down on that piece of paper and I want you to write a prayer of blessing upon that person. And I want you to say, God, wherever they're at, whether they care or not, Lord, I just want you this morning because I don't want to live with it anymore. Just like we saw Isaiah, God, I give it all to you. The little small bags, God, I give them to you. And the ones I can't even lift up, the big ones, God, I just I lay them down to you this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you help me to forgive because I want to be free. And look, it's a daily prayer. It's not a a one prayer and it goes away. It's waking up every morning and go, God, wherever they're at, I pray blessings upon them. I want to be free. How can I expect to be the servant who goes out? How can I be the person that goes out and go, pay me my debt, God, and you're up there every time I come to you, every time I cry out to you, and I'm on my knees, God, going, here I am again, Lord, forgive me. And I want it, God, but I don't want to give it. So if that's you this morning, we're just going to give you a minute. I just want you to write down that person's name. I want you to, to write that short prayer of blessing and fold them up. Nobody's going to take them and look at them. Not, we're, we're not going to go through and review them and post them or anything like this. This is a significant thing between you and God going, I make a conscious choice this morning to allow all bitterness, all judgments, all hatred, all anger, all unforgiveness. I give it to you this morning. And so here's what we're going to do as you begin to ride, as you, those things begin to come to your mind. Music's going to play. They're just going to kind of dim the lights down for a moment. And I want you to come. And I want you to be bold. And I want you to say, I don't care who sees. I'm going to do it. And I want you just to come and drop it in this vase at the front. And I understand that takes a step. But you know what? If you're truly sincere about forgiveness, then you'll do it. Lord, I just pray that you would... Give us boldness. Give us courage, Lord, to step out. To give forgiveness like you give forgiveness, Lord. 
so that we can live free, so that our joy can be restored, God. Pray it, Lord. Pray with me. Just stretch your hand up here and all this hurt, all this unforgiveness, Lord, we give it to you. God, I pray that you would do what we cannot do. 
Or does your accusers care nothing about you, abused you, that you forgave them? You cried out, Lord. They don't understand what they're doing. God, I pray for every single one of these. All the hurt, all the pain, all the judgments. You would do something supernatural in us, Lord, that we, as we begin to pray for these people every day tonight before we go to sleep and tomorrow, as we forgive these people in our lives, Lord, you would just do something supernatural in our lives, God, because you're changing our hearts. Don't ever let our standards of forgiveness, God, be greater than yours. Let your love overflow us and your mercy and your grace that you give. Lord, let us also give it as well. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask the question, do you know Jesus this morning? Have you accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior? Because it doesn't matter the, the great things that you do. It doesn't matter about your righteous acts. Without Jesus Christ, they repulse God. Have you asked him to be your Lord and Savior this morning? If not, I want to give you that chance. I want to give you the opportunity to know that when you leave this place in just a moment, that if you were to die, you would go to heaven and you would meet him. You would stand before him and he'd say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom. If you want to know him, I want you just to pray this prayer to yourself, to God out of your heart, say, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner, and God, I need a Savior. I ask that you come into my heart, Lord, to forgive me of my sins that I can't forgive myself, to wash me and to clean me. And from this day forward, God, to live a life that's pleasing to you. And I don't have it all together, God, but I understand that when I have you, Lord, this is my foundation and my start. And I ask that you help me from this day forward. I accept your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross. So I ask now, Lord, to come into my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, if you ask God to be your savior, to be your Lord, would you be bold enough to put your hand up? Would you be bold enough to say, I prayed that prayer? See that hand, see that hand, see that hand, see that hand. All over this place, God, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for those that raised their hand, that, that know you this morning, that accepted you. Can we give God praise this morning? Now here's, what we want, here's what we don't want to do. We don't want you just to walk out and just you know, service be over. If you prayed that prayer, we have a, a, a um, first time believers packet that we want to give you right back on this table that's going to talk about discipling you getting plugged in in small groups and your next steps we don't want you just to leave on your own stop by this table right here we also have a gift for all of our mothers as you leave and if you're a first time guest there's a gift back here we want to hang around we're going to have our prayer members up here if you want us to specifically just pray for some needs that you have please don't hesitate to come up now god bless you all happy mother's day we love you